Welcome back to Country Conversations. My name is Joey, and as always, I'm joined by... Hey man, it's Chris over here tonight. What's going on, Joey? Man, not a whole lot, dude. How you been? Been good. Gearing up. We're we're getting ready to head into the busy season for country music. It is that time, man. About to be... I I think I've already hit like four shows this year, and it's February 16th as of this recording. Man. It's been three in a row, actually. I saw last week Justin Moore with Priscilla Block, and then Colby Cooper... Twice, the next right? night, and then the next night, yeah. <laughs> we did a two-night run with watching Colby and Ben Burgess opening for him. That's cool, man. We saw we saw Carrie on Valentine's Day. So there you that go. Was, that was pretty good. It was pack, packed house. Heck yeah, man. These were – Justin didn't – I mean, they didn't really sell many tickets where he was at in Kentucky. They, they didn't even open up the upper level. But, I mean, the people that were – they did fill in eventually quite a bit, but the people that were there were, like, totally into it. Justin's got a rabid fan base for sure. And he was awesome, man. I, I've never seen Justin Moore live, and he put on a pretty good show. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, man. I know we both have a bunch of shows coming up, and there are a ton of CDs or projects, as they like to call them these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, getting ready to come out that we're going to be uh, – I'm sure we'll be covering most of them. I mean, I, I think I looked today. There's probably – I think there's like nine projects that are coming out that, I, that I'm that i at least, you know, kind of, of interested in. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be good. I mean, Hardy I Jor- Jordan one. Davis, I think, comes out this week. Muscadine, yeah, I think, comes out. When Muscadine comes out? Uh, next week, I think. Next it's week, one, yeah. I'm pretty then sure Morgan, Then Morgan. Yep. And then Luke, and then Parker. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be hard to keep up with everything. And then Justin Moore announced his show. He's got one coming up this summer, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then Hardy dropped his recently. Ernest yep. dropped his part two to Flower Shops recently. Gosh. That's wild, man. Uh, I think there's some females dropping. Priscilla Block dropped her deluxe album, which only had like two unreleased songs on it. But Yeah. Well, I know that, I, th- I guess that, uh, I think I tagged you earlier, that the lead single from Ashley CD is supposed to come out next week or maybe tomorrow. Yeah, 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 I think it. Yeah, I can't so I'm remember. sure we'll get a new, a new full because that the one that just came out for Ashley McBride was just kind of a concept album. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that I'm sure the next album that's going to come out will be more kind of just a traditional release. Yeah, and she'd been teasing some of that new stuff at shows over the past like year or two because I know when we saw her, I think it was early of tw- early 2022 last year we saw her and she played. I cannot remember the title of the song, but it was something about music and whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> your oh, uh, yeah. typical yeah. country music trips but it was an amazing song and she sounded awesome on it so I can't wait for oh, that yeah. Yeah, I'm, be, I'm pretty sure that'll be, be on yeah. yeah Morgan Wallen man 36 song album coming out I'm, I'm tired crazy. just thinking about it <laughs> dude I know I, I watched that interview he did with Caleb from Barstool do you ever see that oh uh, I saw clips of it. What what all did he have to say? Caleb was like, "You got a thirty six song album coming out." Morgan's like, "Yep." He's like, "They'll never hear the end of it." Well, we'll never hear the end of it, or something like that, just because it's such a long album. That's great. But man. Uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to hear that and Luke Luke Combs project coming up the same month. So there's gonna be two heavy hitters back to back. Yeah, and I guess I mean I guess we don't know the full story, but Zach Brown was supposed to have released something in February and he pushed it back. So I'm sure that's coming either in March or April. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And he actually, I do want to speak on Zach Bryan a little bit because he successfully avoided using Ticketmaster and pretty much sold out this tour. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I saw that, that they added some dates uh, today. Yeah, they added some but, second nights at a couple different cities. And for those of you that don't know, he, I'm not sure exactly how he did it, but basically he sent out a link for people to register as like a lottery to be chosen for a pre sale code or to be able to purchase tickets or whatever. 
and he went through a different site than like Ticketmaster or any of the major outlets where you can scalp and resell tickets. And the most expensive ticket sold was $156 after taxes and fees. And there's like no reselling allowed or anything like that because yeah, he's, wild, man. he's a going after the juggernaut that is Ticketmaster. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to, I mean, in order to do this, he had to do all venues that were either not owned or operated by Live Nation or Ticketmaster. So I think he pretty much hit every single venue across the country that doesn't use Ticketmaster. So I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, after this year, what what will he do? You know, I mean, Ticketmaster, there's a ton of pressure on Ticketmaster right now to make some changes. So I wonder, I wonder, you know, by the time next year rolls around, if there's, if there's going to be, you know, some changes. I mean, you know, it should be as, as simple as, if the artist wants there to be resale, there's resale. And if the artist doesn't want there to be resale, there isn't resale. I mean, that mm-hmm. seems like a really easy thing that Ticketmaster could do. Yeah. But up until now, they haven't. So. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's been a constant battle for years. So, I mean, yeah. I feel like, and this is kind of going into the topic that we're talking about tonight, country music being cool again, if you guys couldn't tell by the title of this episode. But I feel like... You know, before the last few years, unless it was like a mega show, like no one really noticed the scalping or noticed the fees or anything like that, unless you were a diehard concert goer, kind of like us. Yeah. And now that you had the Taylor Swift debacle happen with Ticketmaster, and then you've got like Morgan Wall and Luke Combs, Zach Bryan, all these super popular artists that are, um, that have massive fan bases, then I don't know, I would say probably more than any of the artists in the past decade almost, like your Luke Bryan's, oh, yeah. Jason Aldean's, those kind of guys. And no disrespect to them, they still have huge fan bases and everything, but these guys, these up-and-comers are just like massive, and the, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but all these people are just really wanting to see the live shows, and now all yeah, the Yeah, I mean, do you remember, people. I mean, you we've both been seeing Aldean and Luke Bryan for you know, 10 or 15 years now. I mean, do you ever remember it being like that for them because maybe it was and I just don't remember but I don't remember it being quite quite that crazy whenever even even when they were at their absolute hottest in like 2012 I don't remember it being quite like this no I don't think so because we went to see Luke Bryan in 2013 when he was like selling out his big arenas and everything for the first time and I I just remember getting on Ticketmaster and getting tickets really easy and they were fairly inexpensive really yeah Yeah. and I I, I guess we're just going to roll right into this episode and kind of keep going, but what do you think that like social media and TikTok have an influence on people wanting to experience the live shows now versus 10, 15 years ago? Uh, yeah, I'm sure that that has a, I'm sure that has a big part in it. Um, and I think also think that you know, social media and streaming has, has made it to where non country fans can easily access music that they normally would not have. I mean, you know, you think about whenever Luke Bryan and Aldine came out, you know, you still had to either go to iTunes or go to a store and buy the stuff. And so yeah. if you were not a country fan, you probably were not going to do that. But yeah. now, I literally could send a link to every person that I know and say, hey man, this this new Luke Holmes or this new Morgan Wallen song is amazing. Hey, check this out. Mm-hmm. And they can listen to it immediately and they don't have to pay a dime. Yeah. So it's it's a lot easier and faster to create new fans now. I mean, you look yeah. at what's happened to Zach to Zach Brun. I mean, none of that could have happened ten years ago. I no, mean, no. You know? I mean, so social media and YouTube, obviously, and 
just the streaming aspect of it, I think, has just made it, you know, really um, easy to kind of catch fire, which, you know, that just wasn't possible years ago. Yeah, I agree, man. And I also think, like, maybe, and this has just made me think kind of outside the box, like the thrill of getting that perfect concert video to post on TikTok is oh, yeah. is something that people strive for, too. Cause, and I, I've, I've done this, so I'm not, like, throwing shade or anything, but you're in the pit. You're super close to one of your favorite artists. Everybody and their brother has their phone out recording it, trying to just get that perfect clip to like send to their friends, post on TikTok, post on YouTube, Facebook, whatever. So I think that the social media internet age has definitely uh, made country music cool again. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I think another part of country being cool again is the fact that, you know, so much of pop music is not really music anymore it's so electronic and it's so kind of stylized mm-hmm. that you have these huge pop artists you know i say huge i mean if you look at their spotify numbers they're huge pop artists oh, yeah. but they could barely sell an arena out you know right. and so with and then you have these country artists i mean you know you listed kind of the big three there but i mean you know you could go to Cody Johnson and Lainey Wilson. And I mean, there's a whole nother group of people that are selling out shows like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's country, even though it has changed and there is definitely more, you know, electronic beats and that kind of stuff in country. It's still storytelling songs. It's still, you know, poetry. It's still music that connects to people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's so little of that in pop music now that yeah. I think a lot of people that used to, you know, kind of, not like country music have kind of jumped over to country because that's really the only place that you can get that kind of music anymore. Yeah, man, you're right. I, I agree with you hundred percent. So let's, let's go back a little bit. I wanted to kind of talk about the bro country era, how that kind of shifted to the boyfriend country era to what has shifted into where we're at now, yeah. which there's still some of a little bit of all that, but the major subgenre of country music is so different than, Bro country and boyfriend country, I feel like anyway. Yeah, absolutely. But, but if you go back to like the late 2000s, early 2010s, up until I would say probably when Combs hit the scene, 2017-ish, and Wallen and all those guys. But you had Florida Georgia Line who like totally championed boy or bro country music, right? Yeah. And then you had Luke Bryan, Jason Aldean who followed suit and did all that. You had Chase Rice, um... Everybody was trying to make songs about truck beer and trucks, beer and girls, yeah, and partying, and that was it. Like that, and it sold. It did well at radio. It was good, like bonfire party music. I can't even lie. I listened to quite a bit of it. It's all that was available. Yeah, everyone in there. Thomas Rhett. I mean, everybody was doing the bro country thing, and then that kind of like phased into this like boyfriend country era where it was all about like men glorifying their women. Over and over and over and over and over, and that's like all you would hear on the radio or on streaming or wherever you were listening. Which you still get a little bit of that, and you still get a little bit of the bro country stuff. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that in doses. Yeah, but it's just kind of like when all you hear is, like, I don't know, I don't want to like name drop a bunch of artists or anything or talk crap, but you know, when you're hearing the same song over and over from different artists, it's just kind of like, man, this is like super bland and boring, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And then now we're in an era where there's a lot of diversity in country music. You've got 
guys like we've talked about John Party before quite a bit on the show. He's super like '90s neo traditional influenced with the fiddle steel, all that. Yep. Uh, Combs, I mean Combs has dropped a couple like electric beats here and there, but not much. It's mostly your traditional instruments, fiddle steel, guitars, all that good stuff. Uh, Wallen is kind of all over the place. He, I think that one song he just dropped recently, "Everything I Love," is probably the most country sounding song that he's ever put out. Yeah, I mean, other than the other than the cover me up. Uh, oh, true, cover. true, the cover, yeah. 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 But it, I mean, it sounded like, and I think Grady said this in his most recent video. But I, I actually said it when I first heard. It, I'm like, man, that sounds like an intro to like a Waylon Jennings song. Yeah, like the just the beat and the instruments and everything, but. Um, but, you know, he's got that, but then he's also got songs like You Proof that are snap tracks. So it's just super diverse. Then you've got Zach Bryan, who is super stripped down, acoustic, just kind of very light production type music, other than If She Wants a Cowboy, <laughs> yeah. um, with, which is Trolling Nashville, if you haven't heard that song by now. Definitely go check that out. But yeah, it's just very diverse, and it's good storytelling music to what you said a little bit ago, and it's something that I don't think country music's had in a long time. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I think, you know, it's easy to look back on different eras of country music and, and you know, criticize or, you know, analyze and, and think about, you know, why was it like that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, looking back on the bro country era, you know, FGL exploded and it was so different than anything that had came before it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just natural to try to copy what is working. I mean, if you look back to 1990, 1989, when Garth came out and... Garth exploded. Well, I mean, you know, the next five years, it was all about trying to copy what Garth did. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. It's just, it's just natural to to think, oh, man, this is the new direction. We got to hop on this and go, 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 go. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, you hate to say it, but I don't think that you can really depend on Nashville or the labels to make quality music. Their sole purpose is to make money. So, exactly. So when Florida Georgia Line is, you know, making a ton of money and then Al Dean and Luke Bryan come out. Yeah. I mean, it, it got old fast, but it makes sense from their perspective, you know, Oh yeah, but from it, a business standpoint, yeah, from totally. a bit, from a business standpoint. And, but you know, I think that, I think that the music that they made while it was fun and made a ton of money and, you know, made those guys huge stars. It's also music that when you think about it really only appeals to, a, like a certain group of people, you know, sure. not everybody is going to listen to that music, you know. Okay. And when you look at Morgan and and Zach and and uh, Combs specifically, you know, Zach Bryan and and Luke are making music that literally everybody could listen to. I mean, ten oh, yeah. year olds to eighty year olds, you know. So there's actually, when you think about it, there's a lot more money to be made in that kind of music because it it appeals to everyone you know yeah so it's more of a timeless music yeah too. Time, yeah it's yeah it's very it's very timeless it's yeah. it's stuff that people will go back to for a long long time versus yeah. like the bro country which don't get me wrong like i was jamming out to night train and crash my party and all that like i'm not oh, i'm yeah, not gonna sit here sure. and act like i wasn't but yeah um and we, we might you know five years from now we might go back to that oh you dude know, you know. we just covered night train like last year on the pod so i mean yeah. it's not like yeah. we are being super hater. If you guys are huge Aldine and Luke fans, Luke Bryan fans, we have definitely had our share of fandom. Don't don't worry. Oh yeah. Um, we uh, actually bought Aldine tickets today when he comes to Cincinnati this year. So um, no no hate towards those guys or anything. But 
you've also got the movement of like Cody Johnson, like you mentioned, Laney Wilson, up and comers like Drew Parker, Randall King, Ray Fulcher, that are just really big on the writing aspect versus the flashiness of everything. Yeah, and, absolutely. Well, you know, we've talked about it before, but a lot of that is the influence of the very yes, church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's crazy. I was talking to my wife about this earlier because I think it was a Morgan Wallen video popped up and I was watching it. It was like a two-minute promotional video trying to get you to pre-save his album. And he was answering a question. I forget the exact. I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact dialogue. But they asked him basically like, what song do you think people would be most excited for? And he said the duet with Eric Church because I think a lot of my fans will know how much that means to me and how big of an influence he is and a friend. And I feel like... Eric is like the go-to now for people in country music to say like he was their influence. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I which I get it because he was coming up at a time where it was like bro country era, and he was kind of doing his own thing for the most part. I mean, he definitely had some radio hits. Don't get me wrong, but he was probably the best storytelling writer through their like I don't know their influential days when they were being influenced by music and. Oh, yeah. Uh, we love Eric. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would say he's definitely my top three. So, um, yeah, I mean, when you look at, you know, 10 years ago, if you if you really looked at who was super popular, Eric and Miranda were really the only two, like, superstars that were making different kind of music. And, yeah. you know, and they were both, you know, big stars. Lord, you know, looking back, it's, it's kind of surprising that they were able to to break through and be as big as they are. But then now, 10 years later, you look back and now most of the artists that are coming up now reference those two as yeah. their influences as opposed to, you know, some of the other artists that were just as big. Absolutely, man. I'm with that. That's kind of how I was trying to word it there, but I was like, I don't know how to word this, but yeah, no, you're, you're right, man. And talking about like the heavy hitters of today, We've mentioned these names a few times tonight. Morgan, Luke Combs, Zach Bryan, Bailey Zimmerman. You've got uh, guys like Tyler Childers, Sturgill Simpson, Cody Johnson, Hardy, Laney Wilson. Um, And they're all very different. But I wanted to kind of run through a few of their, like, Spotify stats. I, I don't have, like, streams or total listeners or anything. But something that caught my eye when I was looking at their profiles was that Zach Bryan is 349th in the world on Spotify. Morgan Wallen, 289th in the world on Spotify. Luke Combs, 378th in the world on Spotify. And then Chris Stapleton was 436th in the world on Spotify. So those are country artists in the top four or 500 on Spotify, which, you know, you could say, okay, well, that's not very good, but for country music to have mega stars like that where they're getting global listeners is pretty pretty amazing yeah because i mean the the vast majority of of the ones that would have the most listeners are either going to be pop artists that get listened to all over the world or asian or latino artists that get listened to in you know all the countries that listen to those languages so you know for country music that traditionally has only been listened to in america and maybe canada to really be branching out into Europe and Australia. And, you know, I mean, people like Luke and Morgan have, have done huge world tours, have played, you know, all over Europe. And I know Morgan's getting ready to headline the big country music festival down in Australia. Uh, you know, other than Garth, really, in the history of country music, that never really happened. I mean, you know, that pretty yeah. much everyone stayed in America and, and didn't even worry about the rest of the world. Absolutely, man. 
And speaking of Stapleton, I mean that guy can solve a show. He's oh gosh, yeah. he's one of the only like country acts that will quickly sell out Riverbend here in Cincinnati. Like, I mean, I feel like the shows here will sell out eventually, but like he'll sell them out bef- like well before the date. Oh yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, Aldine and Luke Bryan come here pretty much pretty much every year, every other year. I don't remember a time that Luke or excuse me, that Jason Aldine hasn't came to Cincinnati. <laughs> and, it's, his, it's his home away from home. Dude, I'm telling you, he's if he's not playing at the Red Stadium, he's playing at Riverbend or whatever. But the thing is, man, is that it, it may sell out like a day before the day of the show. But up until then, there's tickets available like crazy. But uh, Stapleton, man, like him, Combs, Wallen, those guys are selling tickets. It's crazy. Yeah, I think, you know, I think actually looking back at the last five or six years, I think that Stapleton getting as big as he did without ra- without much help at radio and with kind of that connection to Timberlake. And then, you know, he's done a ton of stuff with people outside of country. I mean, you know, Kelly Clarkson and Pink and, you know, Sheryl Crow. And I mean, you know, Stapleton has kind of, he was, he was embraced by the whole musical community very fast. And if you look at kind of how he took that path, you know, you could kind of compare Zach Bryan to that a little bit. I mean, Stapleton's had more mainstream success than than Zach has, but it's easy to see that people that would necessarily love mainstream country music could latch on to Stapleton and love his music. And Stapleton's also, like you said, he's a very timeless artist. People in their 50s, 60s, 70s that are not listening to current radio would still love Stapleton, you know? Speaking of, that uh, rendition of the National Anthem before the Super Bowl was absolutely amazing. In today's world, people trash everything, but I haven't really seen anybody say anything bad about that. I mean, no. I, don't, I just don't know what you could say bad about it. It was, it was yeah, amazing. Absolutely, man. And people are so quick to jump on the internet and troll and make fun of people. And, oh, that was horrible. That was the worst rendition I've ever heard. I, I don't think I saw one negative comment about it. No, I mean, people were more so making fun of the coach, the Eagles coach that was crying or whatever. Yeah, that but, meme that they keep showing. Yeah, which, I mean, whatever. Like, the dude was emotional. I'd probably be crying too. But um, I but I haven't heard anybody make fun of Stapleton or say it sounded horrible. So No, and I'm, I mean, I cannot imagine he was lip syncing. I think he was definitely he was singing that. For sure. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. crushing it. Yeah. I don't think that's his style, but. No. But what? Okay, so let me ask you this, man. What do you think caused that shift in country music, or when do you think it truly happened to where we kind of phased uh, out of that bro country, boyfriend country, pop? Like, well, era? I think if you look back at music in general, country music in general, I think everything is cyclical anyway. So I think that I mean, you know, things get hot and then they get boring. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can't sustain that forever. So when I look back, I think back and think that that moment was Stapleton on stage with Timberlake and I think you know the online kind of just fan base that Combs built before he was even signed to a major label um, you know I think those are probably the two things that really shifted um, you know music more into a you know songs driven and voice and soul kind of thing you know I know a couple of the people that I follow online that I respect a lot they say that the moment that kind of changed country music away from bro country was uh, when Combs put out uh, When It Rains It Pours. And, you know, if you look at kind of how the, you know, it's it's not an electronic song. It's very, it's very uh, you know, 
throwback 90s style. And, you oh, know, yeah. Stapleton and Luke, neither one of them are going to be models. I mean, those, you know, right. those guys are That's as awesome. real as you can possibly get. So mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think it was probably, you know, just kind of a combo of those two guys and that people were just, you know, tired of the previous generation, which happened, you know. I mean, look at, you know, Garth, the biggest artist of all time. Radio and mainstream eventually move on. There's always a next hot thing, you know. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean. If, if that makes sense. Really, I mean, if you look at who is selling out shows right now, they're pretty much all, you know, I mean, you know, there's a couple couple outliers, but for the most part, everybody that people are connecting to, you know, it's, it's similar, you know, I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're making real music that people relate to, that it feels like that person is somebody that, you know, you could meet in your life, you know, just in your everyday Absolutely. life. Yeah. No, I agree. And I also think that, which it's very smart that artists are using social media to their advantage to connect with fans more than ever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you see on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, like artists, and I don't know if it's necessarily the artists or their PR social media person doing it, who knows, but, or maybe both, but like they're interacting with fans so much more than ever. And they'll reply to comments. They'll uh, read like Zach Bryan is huge on like retweeting and talking to his fans through his Twitter and, um, you see, like, Combs comment back to stuff, which, again, it, it may not be the artist directly, but it build, it still builds that connection with the fan and, you know, just helps their image, in my opinion. And um, oh, yeah. it helps build fans that way just by connecting. Because, I mean, who wouldn't want to have a conversation, even if it is online with their favorite artist? I mean, that would be, that's awesome, like, that we can even have that happen in today's world. Well, I mean, specifically with Combs and Zach Bryan, their whole career was built online. So, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, those guys, if they tried to change who they are, everyone would know it because, you know, those guys were create not created, but discovered based on the fact that they were just sitting in front of a of a camera, putting music out on YouTube, and, you know, Zach Bryan looks exactly like he did four years ago when he was yeah. putting out music and no one even knew who he was. Like, I mean, yeah. so so there's proof that labels haven't changed those guys. You know, I mean, there's, you know, labels are always going to be influenced and might make a few changes. But for the most part, those guys are who the fans fell in love with. And so it just makes them so much more authentic, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And kind of like what I was saying a little bit ago, it's just all so different in a a sense, but also similar. Like it's, I don't know, man, there's just a lot of diversity with like styles of music, but it's all like what you said storytelling country music that we just haven't seen in forever yeah for i the mean most part. And, i mean for the most you know part. i i think with streaming and with social media that it's i don't think music will ever get put in those boxes again like mm-hmm. you know okay this is the bro country era this is the like you said the boyfriend country era or in the 90s this is the hat you know hat country era <laughs> the the cowboy the, the cowboy country era you know what i mean like yeah. because now for the most part, people make themselves a star on social media or YouTube or here or there, and then the labels latch onto them after they've already got a fan base growing. You know, yeah. So it, it really all comes down to you know, can you make music and can you have an image that appeals to people and that people love, no matter what kind of music you're doing. You know. Yeah, I mean, fifteen, twenty years ago, artists you know, they needed the label. They're like, I need this record deal. I need the label because they didn't have that ability to self-promote. Yeah. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, the label's got money. It, it would, depending on what the artist is looking for, be beneficial 
for the artists as long as they can come to a good agreement on their contract and everything. But, I mean, you look at guys like Zach Bryan who have, I don't know the exact percentages, but they ha- he has a certain percentage of uh, decision-making, I guess you'd say, in his contract to where he's able to drop all that music and do what he pretty much what he wants because he'd already established himself with a fan base. And it was almost kind of like a good partnership versus a label kind of making him a pawn, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. same same thing with Cody Johnson. You know, yeah, he had exactly. already built a huge fan base before he signed with Warner, so he would have had more power than you know me or you coming off the street trying to get a record deal. Exactly, because some people go to the record label and they're like, "Oh gosh, I need the record label." And there's other people like, "Well, I don't really need you, but how can we kind of help each other here?" Yeah, and that's kind of the way that it's going, man. With the way that everyone's able to connect. And, I mean, look at Muscadine Bloodline. They're 100% independent, have a huge fan base. They're selling out shows, massive streams for being independent, or just in general massive streams. I've seen some artists sign to record labels that get similar or less than they do. Oh, yeah. Easily. I'll bet you you if you compared, I bet they're, like, right in the middle of mainstream country music artists as far as streams go. And they're totally independent and have done it all themselves. Yeah, and they yeah. and they they want to remain independent and in control of what they do, and uh, again, they're killing it. Selling, they're actually going on tour for a couple shows anyway with Eric Church this year. Yeah, and they're aren't they're opening a couple shows for Turnpike Troubadours too. Yeah, so I mean yeah. they're on major tours, and yeah. they are in that mindset of we don't really need a, a record label. We're doing this ourselves. And I mean, I yeah, think I, they they they've been at the game for a while. I mean, it's not like they're yeah. new to the scene. They might be. You know, people might just now kind of be discovering their music, but they've been going at this for a long time. And oh yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they're they're yeah. marketing geniuses. I mean, they really are, and they're amazing artists. They they write well, they sing well, they complement each other really well. But um, I just think it's really cool. And I, even like people on TikTok, I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. I was gonna say Dalton Dover, but he just signed recently with a record label. But again, he already had a massive following on social media, big streams. I uh, was doing shows. People were buying tickets, going to see him. Yep. And I would just, it's just interesting how things are different from when we grew up watching all this stuff happen as young adults and kids. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I think for the most part, it's a good thing. For the yeah. most part. Yeah. But also, you know, people could build up a huge online fan base based on, you know, image or, you know, faking the music lord knows but i mean you know people can build up a big fan base now and they might not necessarily be the real deal Mm -hmm. and then they get signed and then they get pushed to mainstream and they aren't necessarily the best out there you know what i mean so oh yeah you know there there definitely is good and bad to it for sure i'm kind of seeing it happen with a couple artists right now where they were amazing like they sound amazing produced and online and all that but then you get them at a live show and it's like holy cow (laughs) <laughs> and it's like I don't know how how that individual or band is gonna be able to sustain if they don't get the live show together. But because I mean they make their money on touring. I mean yes, you can make a lot of money streaming and album sales and all that. But like, would you agree that artists make the bulk of their money from going on tour, selling tickets, selling merchandise? Uh, oh yeah. Well, not only not only do they make the bulk of their money on tour, but they need to be good enough to convince people to come back. Yes. Because. You can't make enough money if you convince people to come see you one time, and then and then those people are like, "eh, I'm yeah. not going to see that again." <laughs> exactly. Like, you got to you got to build up a fan base that you know wants to that every time you put out a project or every year or two, you know, 
those people are coming back to see you. I mean, you know, there are, I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen Garth, but I mean, you know, <laughs> think about, think about the, think about the magic that it takes to convince people to continue to come back over and over and over to your show. And if you can't do that, then you can have as many streams as you want, but mm-hmm. you're not going to last. So that's, I'm curious to see, you know, with this generation, as far as the touring and the live shows go, who ends up being the, you know, the, the leaders in the clubhouse on that. Yeah. And who, who actually sustains through it. Yeah. I, it's kind of like the TikTok era of country music in a way. Yeah. I mean, not not all of everything coming out of Nashville and Texas is on TikTok, obviously, but there's a lot, and there's and there's a lot on there that people haven't discovered yet that are like, you know, smaller creators that are making amazing music. They just haven't really popped off yet. And I, you know, I follow a couple accounts that, I mean, even guys like Colby Acuff, he's oh, yeah. getting a following. Like he's he's went on tour and done some shows. Was it with it was with Turnpike or was it the uh, uh, Win- Winchester? Yeah, but I thought last year he opened up at a festival or two. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it was Turnpike, and then yeah, yeah, did some shows with 49 Winchester, which they're they're popping off too. And Colby's still 100 percent independent, from my knowledge, anyway. I don't I don't think he's signed with anybody at this at this moment. I saw today or yesterday he's doing some shows in Charlotte, which you know when we first when we first met him and started talking to him, he was pretty much regional out out there in the the Dakotas and Wyoming area. And now he's, he's touring all over the country, you know? Yeah. 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 And if you guys haven't heard of him, Colby Acuff, he's known for one of his bigger songs, if I were the devil and we've had him on the podcast a couple of times. And I mean, even since we first met him and started talking to him, he's an independent guy that's just picking up steam, doing his own thing for, to my knowledge, I don't think he's signed with anybody, but even if he was, I mean, he's already built a huge foundation for himself, just doing it on his own. Absolutely, I probably the the independent guy that's got the most steam right now probably is Charles Wesley Godwin and oh, Zach. Yeah. You know, Zach really. I mean, he took him on tour with him all year last year, so that was a huge platform for him. But I mean, he's he's growing like crazy right now. Dude, he's um, awesome. I love yeah. his his sound. Is very just like raw and authentic, and it's, yeah, it's good music. It's Especially when Tenny Boy right there. I'm telling you, man. It's a good time. We've said this on the podcast probably multiple times, but it's a good time to be a country music fan. That's right. I kind of want to touch on this too before we wrap it up. Like, even your '90s, 2000s artists are making resurgences because of like social media. Like, oh, look gosh, at Clay yeah. Walker. Oh gosh, man. Clay Walker's I, killing yeah. it on social media. He is, man. I mean, I, it's weird because Clay, at the time through the '90s, was a you know he was a he had a great career, had a ton of hits. But he, you know, Clay was never a superstar. He was always right. that next level down. Right. And now, of those people, he's his he's probably like jumped his career more than anybody else from that era. I mean, I just saw Clay. I saw him once last year with Tracy Lawrence, and then we just saw him last month. And I could not believe the reaction of the crowd, especially younger people. And that's got to be just from TikTok and social media. Absolutely, man. And I think like. Obviously, we, you know, being a millennial myself, we, like, grew up listening to that stuff with our parents, so that, social media, and he's super interactive on social media, so, like, he'll comment back to fans and, like, stitch videos and all that, so, I mean, and that, and people notice that stuff, and it gets, gets his name out there and all that with the younger generation, and, I mean, TikTok's just a whole different audience, you know? I was listening to, uh, this is kind of a tangent here, I was listening to Theo Vaughn's podcast, he had Dave Portnoy on from Barstool. 
Yeah. And Barstool, or Dave was talking about how Barstool was already kind of an established brand, but like, what were they going to do to like bring in a new audience and the younger generations? So they hopped on TikTok and all this stuff. And it's so true because, sure, there's a lot of people on TikTok, young people, middle-aged people, older people, whatever. But the majority is your the younger generation. And if you can get yeah. on there and go viral or have a couple videos pop off and get your music known to this youth and this younger generation, I mean, people our age and older are going to listen to it because it's what we grew up on, it's what we know. But if you can open up to that audience as well, it's just going to be beneficial. Well, yeah, and it's a, you know, there's so much music that's out today that's similar that it's kind of a throwback to that era that, you uh-huh. know, young people love to to find new stuff on, you know, on streaming and you know, if you can have a, a a moment here or there on on TikTok or on social media, then you know it really helps. I mean, you look. I mean, even superstars like last year, year before, Neon Moon by Brooks and Dunn had a huge <laughs> moment on social media. I mean, that was already a, a all time classic. But like a whole another generation of of kids found that song that probably didn't know that song. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. And I mean, even if you look at the superstars from the nineties, like. Uh, I mean, Brooks and Dunn, Reba, Garth, George Strait, which yeah, I guess Shania. 80s, 90s, Shania's just dropped a new album. Like, they're all still super relevant and super popular. I mean, look at the shows that Strait announced for ne- this year. I almost said next year, this year. I mean, they they sold so many tickets already. Yeah, they're doing... Like, of course, I mean, he's got Stapleton with him, so I mean, that's sure, that's a, sure. That's Double pretty epic. Yeah, epic night. I mean, those tickets went quick. All you can really get now is like platinum or resale tickets. I'm pretty sure. Last time I checked, yeah. anyway. I know in Nashville they sold they sold out Nissan twice. I mean, yeah. think about that. Like that's crazy. I that mean, place. That's like... I mean, I was there in 2019 when Eric Church did a show by himself, and there was 56,000 people there. So you're talking over 100,000 people yeah. between two nights. Yeah. And I mean, some of those people might be going both nights. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's a lot of people that love country music. I mean, dude, I'm telling wild. you. I mean, if you look at all the big tours that have been announced in the last six months, you know, you've got you've got probably ten people doing stadium tours, and close to half of those are country music. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, that's crazy. I mean, you have Beyonce and Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran, and then you have Combs and Wallen and George Strait. <laughs> yep, that's crazy. You know, it's awesome, man. Yeah. It's uh. It's very interesting because, I mean, I feel like for the longest time, and I grew up in a small town, a, what I would consider like a more rural town, and where country music was probably the more dominant or the more liked genre of music around here. But like growing up, even kids at school would like be like, oh, country music sucks. It's all about you lost your dog, your car, your wife, or whatever, <laughs> your truck. But now like... I feel like people that used to hate on country music are opening their ears and eyes to it and being more receptive to, okay, this isn't too bad. This is kind of what you said earlier, how pop and hip-hop is all electronic and you can't even understand the lyrics anymore on a lot of it. I mean, there's still some really good rappers out there, don't get me wrong, but I mean, for the most part, the mainstream hip-hop and pop is all like electronic. You can't understand it. I think there was like an era where they called it like mumble rap. Yeah. And... Those people were probably just burnt out when they were listening to, like, you know, in the 2000s, like Eminem, Lil Wayne, uh, all those really super popular rappers. And so they went from that to what's, what is hip-hop and rap now. So they're just kind of able to discover country music. I know I'm kind of recycling what you said 20, 30 minutes ago, but, uh, yeah, man, it's it's a good time. And I think country music is cool again. I think it's 
I think we're in a really good era, and I think it's cool that people that don't traditionally listen to country music are coming to the scene and getting involved. Um, I think country music is for everybody. I think it's. I think even if you're not a pure country fan, they, there's something out there for you. Yeah, absolutely, man. And there's something you can relate to. So yeah, I wonder. I mean, you know, if you listen to Morgan's music, I mean, you know, he's got duets with Lil Durk, and he's got you know. Uh, Heartless and You Proof. I mean, you know, Morgan, that's, I mean, we didn't talk about it, but, you know, when he releases that many songs, there's a lot of reasons, but one reason is that he can put a lot of traditional stuff on there and a lot of pop stuff on there. So he can do, he can kind of mix everything together and it, and it appeals to everyone. So, you know, a lot of Morgan stuff is probably the best pop music being made right now. So that makes sense oh, to yeah. me why... You know, people that lean kind of pop and hip hop would love Morgan, but yeah. but why would people? You know, it's it's it is it is interesting to me. You know, if you listen to a Zach Bryan record, if you're a hip hop fan, mm-hmm. there's nothing that's that's similar to, no. to to that. Or even you know, I mean, like you said, you know, early on Combs had a couple tracks that had some I'm had thinking, some beats on it, but yeah. not a ton. You no, know, I think and maybe Stable, like and Stable maybe like has three. None. I think Luke yeah. maybe had two or three, and I think it was on the sophomore album, All Over Again. Yeah. That one starts out like that electronic, like, drum pad beat. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it, it moves into more of, like, your per- percussions and, like... But none of none of Luke's big hits are No, like no, and there's I mean, no, like, snap tracks or, like, yeah. super hip-hop beats. It's more of just, yeah. like, electronic And same thing stuff. with Stapleton and Air in Church. Like, you know, there's not a lot of... I don't think Stapleton's ever used yeah, any type I mean, of, like auto-tune or electric beats like like fake beats anyway and yeah. or eric i can't think of any any songs they've ever done that would yeah. be like that i mean eric's definitely like went outside the box and done more of like bluesy rocker sounding stuff but never like beats like hip-hop stuff yeah it's it's just wild man it's, it's crazy man yeah. so in summary country music's cool again so if you're not a country music fan you're listening to this podcast come on over we'd love to have you that's right, man. It's, good it's only going. It's only going to get bigger. That's it, man. I'm I'm here for it. I think. Uh, I mean, I think country to me, country music's always been cool. I just thought this was kind of a clever title and episode to talk about why uh, country music seems to be so trendy now. Yeah. Because I mean, I remember not to go on another tangent here, but like, I remember getting tickets to shows, and it was. I think I said this a little bit ago, but it was so easy to get tickets to shows. You could just. You didn't even have to get them when they went on sale, really, unless it was like a Garth Brooks show or something like that. But even he wasn't even touring back then because he took such a long break, and he didn't come back until like 2016, I think. So I'm, I'm thinking like 2010 to 20... I don't know. I, I would say it's really taken off in the last three to four or five years. Like the live yeah. show, anyway. Oh, yeah. But Well, I mean, you know, I look at the Billboard charts all the time, and if you look at the artist top 20... I think there's like seven country artists in the top twenty right now. Like that's that crazy. Is, yeah, it's that is absolutely crazy. I don't even know if that's ever happened. I don't. I don't think that's anything. That, I mean, don't quote me on that because I may be wrong, but I I can't think of a time where that's ever happened. No, and and Morgan and Luke have been in the top ten artists in the country like every single week for the last four or five years. Like not there hasn't been a single day that they have dropped below the top ten. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's because I mean, there's a lot of pop artists that, you know, if they release a project, oh, they're hot for like a month and then they just like disappear for a year or two. Like, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't happen to country for some reason. Like people are loyal. That's one. That's another thing that we haven't talked about is 
is people are just so loyal to their favorites in country music. And I just don't think you get that in most other um, other genres of music. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. I think we're living proof of the loyalty. Or we're just That's crazy, right, one of the two, I don't know. <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> a little bit of both. We, we go to a lot of shows. So, uh, But yeah, man, thank you guys to our listeners that tune in. We're at about, for editing, we're at about 47 minutes. So if you made it this far, we appreciate it. And uh, we did take a couple month, couple month break to kind of get the new year started and everything so we uh we're gonna try to be a little bit more con- consistent with episodes this year so yeah uh, bear with us if we're not life is crazy we do have full-time jobs and and all that and families so we we are very busy but we're gonna try to be more consistent this year and do some album reviews and kind of lay off the interviews i think last year we were pretty interview heavy yeah so this year i think we're gonna try to do some more fun content like this and album reviews and everything and i know like I mentioned earlier, Hardy had a project come out. Ernest just had one drop, and there's a heck of a lot more coming. So we're we're excited to talk about that with you guys. That's right, man. Cool, man. You got any final thoughts? Man, I'm just man. I'm ready for the shows and the albums that are getting ready to come out, and I got a good feeling about all of them. Heck yeah, man. I think That's we've right, got man. some really good shows this year. I'm I'm ready for Nashville. Combs in Nashville. Oh man, I can't wait to see who the special guests are. Hopefully everybody dropped off by now and they won't roast me for this, but we even got, this one's pretty cool. We got uh, Blink-182 tickets, so we, we actually are going to a couple like rock shows this year. There you go. And then uh, if you haven't dropped off by now, you're going to you're gonna roast me, but we got Nickelback tickets. <laughs> and, and, and Lil Wayne, don't forget. And that. Lil Wayne, that's why. I, I, if you haven't listened to our episode about our top three artists that, that are non-country, I forget the title of the episode. Chris and I last year did an episode on our top three favorite artists that are not country uh, Lil Wayne was my number one, so there's a fun fact for you guys. Uh, but yes, he's going to be at Rupp Arena in April, and me and my dude, Caleb, we're going to it. So That's awesome, uh, man. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I haven't seen Lil Wayne since I was like 19. Guys, thanks again for tuning in. We appreciate you. If you're not following us on social media, you can find us everywhere. Just search at Country Convos. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, everywhere. We're everywhere. Find us. That's right, man. Yeah, until next time, guys, keep it country and take care of each other.